Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Things with Zach Miko. On today's episode, I sit down with doctoral candidate in forensic psychology, Cassie Grace. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the themes. Welcome, everybody, to Big Things with Zach Miko. As always, I'm your host, Zach Miko. Sorry if I sound a little raspy. Got myself a cold. It happens. You know, make sure you use a humidifier when you sleep next to the air conditioner. But we got a great show for you guys today. I am sitting down with a doctoral candidate in forensic psychology, Cassie Grace, everybody. Uh, Cassie Grace is not a hundred. It's not really her real name, just so everybody knows. Uh, but considering she is still going for her doctorate, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, we don't impede anything in any way. So she's talking under a pseudonym, but it's awesome to talk to her. I love true crime. I think everyone likes true crime. Um, based on our any television show of that docu-series that comes out on Netflix. I think we all like true crime so much. And I thought it would be so cool to sit down with a forensic psychologist and actually get a, get get kind of a first-hand idea of what's going on. Um, so I've known Cassie for a little while, and she's agreed to come sit down and talk about all things forensic psychology and murders and the criminal mind, and it was such a fun Awesome, awesome talk. Uh, beforehand, there is going to be, there's a huge, big old trigger warning for this show. Just so you know, we discuss very intense subject matters, uh, murder, sexual assault, every horrible thing you can imagine. Uh, so, if you get uncomfortable hearing anything like that, this might not be the episode for you. But, I think it was a great conversation. Uh, just want to, you know, let you guys know before you get into it and you hear us discussing serial killers. So, without further ado, my talk with doctoral candidate in forensic psychology, Cassie Grace. gentlemen i am sitting here with the doctoral candidate well not the a i don't hey, know just, a, <laughs> just, just a. one of many in the world <laughs> i am sitting here with doctoral candidate of forensic psychology we're gonna call her cassie grace everybody yeah <laughs> we don't want to uh ruin any of her chances for becoming a full doctor by saying something correct here. so cassie grace what's happening what's going on great to be here it's great to have you. It's great, great to be here in the old this. doctor's office. I know. <laughs> so let's start from the very beginning. Yes. You like murderers a lot. I do. <laughs> I'm fascinated by what makes people think, you know what I really want to do today? Yeah. I want to go out and pick up a stranger. And I don't want to take her out for drinks or anything. Like I just want to flat out end her life. I know. Right? I, I don't. So... 
I have so many <laughs> questions. I don't even know where to start because okay. I was very excited to interview you because we've all gone down the Netflix rabbit hole of like mm-hmm. everything. I was watching one when you came in called I Am a Killer. <gasps> and that was just the it was okay. called, which is literally just them sitting there being like, yeah, I killed people. This is what I did. Yeah. Did you watch the first episode where the guy's like, I was like halfway through it when when you came in. OK, can I give you a spoiler? Yeah. yeah, yeah. OK. So the guy basically, I don't even think he's in for murder. I think no, he wasn't. That was the thing. He was in for like robbery or something. Robbery. He's like, my original sentence ended in uh, 1982, but I did a bunch of other shit while I'm in here. I think he's even like, I don't even know how much time I have now. So he doesn't. So then they put him in. They call it like, I, I don't know what they called it. When I worked at a prison, they called it just seg. You're in segregation. If Which is like. Is that like solitary? It's solitary. It's okay. like if you're a fan of Orange is the New Black, it would be like the shoe. Or Oz. Or I need to watch Oz. That's like a How th- are you I know, trying I know. to work in prisons and you haven't watched the prison show that started everything? I don't know. You know what? I just never oh, got into it. I hear so I'm going to see some stuff, though. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of rape. Yeah. <laughs> a lot there's of, a lot of things. There's a lot of dude yeah. rape and it all... And but lovely J.K. Simmons is a horrible <gasps> Nazi rapist. Like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Juno's dad, Juno's got dad. his, got his start being like a crazy Nazi gang leader on Oz. I it's get. awesome. I have to watch that. I did see some prison rape in Sons of Anarchy, which is, I think, my all-time fav- favorite show now. Oh, Sons of Anarchy is an amazing show, but the prison rape in Sons of Anarchy is so minimal. Compared to us, okay. Like, but like, it happened to Juice, and he was my favorite on Sons oh, of Anarchy. It's no. such a crush on he, him. Pff, he was my favorite. I liked Juice for a while. I lost all respect in Juice real quick. Juice did so many terrible he things did. just to hide the fact that he was half black. And then when it came out that he was half black, <laughs> like, oh. everyone's like, "Cool, <laughs> yeah. we don't care." And then. He had to go on doing horrible things for the rest of the show yeah. because of all the shit he did to hide the fact that his dad was black. Yeah. And the fact that they were just like, we don't give a fuck. Like, I think I just like Theo Rossi. I think he's just a babe. He is good. Yeah, and he is a babe. He's an attractive gentleman. He is so, a babe. Anyway, yeah, where were we going killers. with this? Yeah, so in the I'm a killer, he's like, yeah, they put me in. Let's just call it seg because I forget what they call it in, yeah. I'm a, in the prison he was in. And he's like, you know, and I got really sick of it. And they put him with a celly in seg, which doesn't happen too often. Yeah. Isn't that the whole point? Yeah. Of segregation is you don't have a cellmate. Right. But I guess it was sort of protective custody as well because this guy was a pedophile that they put him in a cell uh, with. Oh, yeah. That was the part I was at when you came Right. In. So he's like, yeah, I just I want death row. I want death row. I want to get like they act like it's college. Like I'm yeah. getting into death row. So, yeah, he strangled him. And he, I think he went up to the guy and said, like, I'm either going to strangle you or I'm going to do this. And the guy was like, uh, neither. <laughs> like, really, I'd just like to go to sleep. And he's like, no, no, you got to choose one. Yeah. <laughs> so then he killed him so he could get death row. And they're like, they get better meals. They get quiet time. They get more time. With I'm like, all right. Well, in a weird way, you actually see the logic. Yeah. Well, it's a weird, like, especially in the lifers, the people who are in prison for mm-hmm. a long time. It's a whole different Oh, yeah. set of rules it's a whole different set of what you're gonna end up exactly that you're like oh i can get a little bit of better meal if i knife this guy right now sure i don't get to see people but like but are the people in prison really people you want to see i i, I don't know sometimes not Somet- some not, of them are lovely i'm not i'm no, actually exactly not even kidding exactly the majority of 
sadly in our country the majority of the prison population are very nice decent people Mm -hmm. who got caught up in a terrible things most of the people in our prison system right now are on fucked up drug charges that shouldn't be that should not be punishable by prison anyway by my personal opinion and the opinion of others of um, many many of people ma- because it's cr- many the, the, scholars the amount of people in prison for nonviolent drug crimes is fucking insane oh especially when you look at the female population and yeah. a lot of it is women who were you know when you see in a movie they're like the naked women like cutting up drugs for yeah their, those are the women who take the fall and they're so like beaten down by the men in their lives they're like okay like oh, it's so it's, it's completely it's, it's just so such a messed up system horrible 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 mm-hmm. uh, but in the max security when you're in there with a bunch of murderers and rapists uh that's a different thing. That's a very different thing. Those people are, those are, that's bad. What yeah. they did was really no, bad. Exactly. They should be Those there. are the people that should be in yeah. prison. And they have such a different mentality of, of time and whatnot. But mm-hmm. what happens, okay, so you're in the psychology part of it. Yep. Most of these people know for a fact they're never, ever, ever getting out. Ever. The like, lifers. The yeah. lifers. The oh, lifers. yeah. Yeah. Like, like there, there might be like, oh, possibility for parole in forty years. They're like, cool, like it's <laughs> sweet. Exactly. I am forty-five years old. Exactly. It's like that's not gonna happen. Ninety-five is gonna be my year. What are some challenges dealing with those people as essentially as like a mental health professional, and not being able to tell them like, oh yeah, things are getting better. <laughs> like they're just there. Yeah. Well, forever. it's a similar thing even just dealing with someone with depression because yeah. even if they are free and out in the world, they can see themselves as trapped mm-hmm. in being like, I am depressed. I have nothing going for me. I mean, I had a client when I worked at a clinic who, I mean, he would come in and it was really like, I don't have friends. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a job. I don't have this. I'm running out of money. Like, it was really, you know. Yeah. So you kind of, depending on what approach you take, because there are different, you know, theoretical perspectives. Yeah. You know, I would talk to him about, like, his values. Like, what do you value? Do you have family that you still talk to? Do you have this? Like, what are your goals in life? And then you kind of make them focus on that. And I think a similar thing would be to someone in prison. Do you have family on the outside? Do you want to have a legacy of being remembered well? Because there are the people that are in prison and they're, like, Eileen Warnos was... Oh, man. I mean, she just basically, when she was, what, I don't know if it was electric chair or death by uh, injection, but she was just basically like, I'm going up in a spaceship and F you all. Like, no, she yeah. had no remorse. And she was also, she was all over the place with, so I never saw, what was that movie? Monster. Monster. I never saw Monster, but I watched the German guy's documentary on her. I am, there are a bunch of them. There's like Selling Eileen or Selling Morna. This one's like, I can't remember. This one. I wish I remember the I name am of this. Eileen. I think it was I yeah. am Eileen. I can't can't remember the name of this filmmaker, but he does documentaries a lot, and he's very German. Uh, I think <laughs> I know never, who you're You never show about. his face. He's kind of famous just because he's this. He, he, he even though he's very German, he insists on narrating everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did a show about people on death row. If we're thinking yes. about the same, no, so yes, yes, the same yes, person, yes. I just can't remember who he's called. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. The listeners name are like, "It's this, you idiots." I know. Well, that's <laughs> what I always happens. Do you know how many times on this show I'm just like, "Ah, what's their name?" I. I changed everyone's name in the sopranos but tony <gasps> while redoing a story once because i just <laughs> fucked up all of their names i got some email where people were like did you even watch this show i'm like i did but i how did um, you re- not remember meadow soprano like that's not a you know she wasn't in the story oh, what did i do okay. i called uh called andrea 
No. Is Who's it Andrea? An- I know. But that, that's what I called her. Uh, fuck. Is it? Are you Chris's talking about Christopher, Christopher's yeah. girlfriend. Um, her real name is Drea DeMatteo. Drea DeMatteo. So that's what I kept calling her Andrea. And they were like, that's not. I can't remember her name either now. I know. Carmela is the wife, though. Carmella's I got that. Carmela's the wife. Anyway, back to anyway, murder. Anyway, back to murder. I know. Um, so what was it in you when you decided, hey, I'm going to college. I'm going to. I you went to school for psychology. I did. I majored in psychology, which a lot of people major in doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're going to go off to dissect serial killers. <laughs> like my Correct. mom, my mom was a psych major. So like, my mom. Yeah. So hey. it, it's kind of like sometimes, you know, yeah, it's definitely a, it's it's a it's a major that a lot of people go with, but then don't take it to the level. So what happened when you were in your undergrad or even before your undergrad mm-hmm. where you made the conscious decision where you're like this is the field of psychology I want to work in it actually came much later Mm -hmm. um I originally got into psychology because I was always I am more fascinated by the people with dissociative identity disorder or personality disorders rather than like anxiety and depression because that's like we're in New York City every everybody's depressed and anxious no I know all the time around. oh yeah um, but so I did my undergrad and then I did social work and I burned out real quick. Like yeah. I had a client with schizophrenia that never took his medication. Uh, my mom did social work right after college and also burned out. She was like, it was the same thing. She was like, this is the saddest job I've ever oh, had. It was awful. I mean, yeah. I, the guy liked his hallucinations because they uh, were friendly to him. Oh, uh, and so he never took well, his medication. I mean, good for him, I guess. It <laughs> yeah. could be worse. I mean, you know, he, they made him slit his wrists, but oh, they're Jesus. whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I did that. And then I was like, all right, maybe psychology isn't for me. But yeah. I always was fascinated again with like, I thought criminal law, something like that. Um, worked for an attorney for a little bit. Then I did. Then I went totally different. When I met you, I was doing event planning with yeah. like celebrities, which was just the most random thing ever. Um, Listen, you have to have a background in psychology to deal with those types of egos. Um, I absolutely did. I can't <laughs> say any of the stories, obviously, but there was one woman who was. You're not even using your real name. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, then I can't <laughs> use. I can't use like the name of a Broadway diva that no, we yeah. represented, yeah, who was yeah. freaking out about where her jewelry was going to go and like screaming on the phone about everything. Anyway. So I was visiting my mom one weekend, and we were watching ID, one of the wonderful like Dateline Discovery shows. Discovery ID. Yeah. yeah, such a good. T- I get lost in that for a day or five. And That's like the main thing. If you're a New York actor, yeah, you the way you cut your teeth is you do all those Discovery ID reenactments. Did you shows. do one? I've done like seven of what? them. What? Why haven't I seen them? I've done all of them. I've done. I'm trying to remember the names of it. I've done uh, True Crime with Aphrodite Jones. Shut um, up. I did something that was like. Wicked wives or something like that. I don't was know. It, wait, wait, wait. Was it wives with knives? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was in wives with knives. Oh my god. And then I was like, I've been in a like. There's so many of them. They put you in a van. They take you to Jersey. They give you eighty bucks. <laughs> you do oh it. Oh my god. That sounds like the beginning of a snuff film. But all right. Uh, it is. It um. Is. It kind of is. Our friend Maddie Ray. Yeah. Shout out to the beautiful Maddie Ray. He played Tracy Lord's husband in a like a flashback reenactment of celebrity ghost stories, which oh. I thought was hilarious. He had to be like Laura a Laura played Corey Feldman's <gasps> wife in uh, celebrity ghost stories. Oh my god! Oh, I'm these so shows, proud of all my friends right these, now. <laughs> these shows are so bad, guys. 
they're amazing. They're um, no, they're absolutely amazing. So anyway, yeah. I was watching a show with my mom and I was explaining something because even though I wasn't studying criminal psychology or forensic yeah. psychology at the time, I still knew some stuff. Just I mean, I had a book on serial killers that I was in the hospital for a kidney stone. I'm sitting there reading about serial killers and oh. the nurse was like, oh, hey, what up? All right. <laughs> Need yeah. anything? Great. Um, so I explained something to my mom and she was like, you love this. Like, why yeah. aren't you doing something with criminal psychology instead of, you know, chasing down Mario Batali sunglasses for an entire day? Yeah. Um, so I applied to John Jay, uh, College of Criminal Justice, and I went into the forensic psychology, master's in forensic psychology program. And that was the dopest experience of my life. Yeah. Um, one of my professors consulted with the FBI to find the Green River Killer. And That's so awesome. And it was a profiling class. Where it was, was amazing. I can't remember his name. There's a guy, there's a doctor. So I went right next to the college I went to, Albertus Magnus, didn't do anything. But the college mm -hmm. down the street, University of New Haven, had this huge forensic psychologist oh, that amazing. was like, I can't remember his name. He's like a Japanese guy's name. Oh, I don't know. Henry something. All right, you keep talking. I'm going to Google it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this guy, and he's amazing. His name is Dr. Schlesinger. And Dr. He, Schlesinger is my wife's dentist's name. What? Is he also a dentist? Definitely not. Okay. Definitely not. So and Dr. this guy was hilarious because he was so chill. He would show us pictures of crime scenes with no preamble. It was like, oh, here's a picture of a woman with a baseball bat like shoved in her mouth and she's dead in a field and he was so calm all the time but he was so old school that if he ever needed anything with technology he would like freak out he's like why can't i find a plug to plug in my tape recorder why can't it was hilarious oh my God. um but yeah it was a profiling class so he would actually give us cases and we would get a case file and a description of the crime and we would have to go through and profile the person and like yeah. see what they were like and we had you know, pictures of like the um, the crime report where you see like the outline of the body with like the stab wounds and like what does this mean and was it organized or disorganized and all that stuff. Um, and I also took a class on assessing the psychopath, so I learned how to give what's called the psychopathy checklist. Jesus. And uh, Henry Lee. You are bad Do with names. That's not that hard to remember. No, I know, <laughs> Doctor Henry Lee. Anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, so you're reconnect your your professors having you redo crime scenes when you were doing these crime scene photos. Yeah, I get very uncomfortable with gore of okay. any sort. Um, How are you friends with Karen? Bay? I know. How is that, that a thing? I think it's just gratuitous gore. I don't know. Like torture porn kind of torture stuff. Torture porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, like, I have yeah. to be watching it happen. Maybe I'd be okay with crime scene photos. But you're uh, you're probably seeing some pretty graphic shit in that I stuff. did. Yeah. I don't want to describe what I've actually seen because it's gross. Like, yeah. some of it's really gross. Um, I don't know what it is. I'm not easily scared. Yeah. Although, I will say, I'm terrified of mice. I lived in a New York apartment. <laughs> And there were mice in it, and I was always terrified. That's one thing that will always Sitting get me. Sitting down with a serial killer, nothing. Nothing. Mice, fucking Oh, terrible. I will lose my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I attribute it to, I grew up with an older brother, uh -huh. and we would watch horror movies all the time. He's not even, like, into horror movies, but we watched Candyman when I was a kid, like, little kid. Yeah. The Shining, all of these things. And he would find funny things in there to, like, make me sort of not be scared. Just to take the edge off. Just to take the edge off. Exactly. Um, so I think, and I don't know what it is. Like jump scares don't get me. 
Um, Good for you. I saw I saw Hereditary the other day, which I still haven't seen that one. Um, I will say I heard it's 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 a good one. Um, so yes, our mutual friend Karen saw it with another mutual friend, and these are friends of mine who will go to any scary movie with yeah. me, and they always laugh that I don't jump or get scared. And we saw it, I or they wouldn't see it again. They were so terrified and traumatized, they wouldn't see it again. And I asked a couple of people, like, nope, saw it, nope, can't see it. It's too, tra- it's too traumatic. It's too big, whatever. So I went and saw it with my friend Lewis, who had seen it, and his yeah. friend. Even though they'd seen it, they were still jumping and still like freaking out. And I was like leaning forward in my chair with like my hand on my fist, kind of like, huh, this is intriguing. And Lewis is looking at me like waiting for jump scares. And afterwards, he was like, you are so disappointing. You didn't jump. You didn't get remotely scared. And my friends are texting me like, how are you not like the prison broke you like you are officially not. Well, yeah, I mean, but which which is a good thing. That's why you're equipped to do your job. Yeah. (laughs) I mean. I don't think you're broken. I think you're. <laughs> I think you're a professional. I'm new, and, I'm new and improved. Exactly. Oh man. So after John Jay, now yes. you're a doctoral candidate. I for, am. Uh, are we saying which university? Nah, let's not say. At a university. I'm at a university. Um, um, entering my fourth year. I'm a senior, basically. You're a senior doctor. No, 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 no. We call it like. How does it work? It's first year, second year, third year, fourth year. But so my friend the other day called herself. Remember when we were freshmen? So I kind of. So as a college dropout myself. Yes. Uh, how many years have you been going to college at this point? Uh, let's say I did undergrad for four. Uh-huh. And then John Jay was two. And fun story. I actually picked up another master's just along the way. To oh, yeah. F- you find them. So <laughs> they're, they're, just, they're laying about. You just, you just get one on the way to getting your doctorate. So oh my God. I have two masters now, and it's kind of like, did I really need to go to John Jay? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? But yes, because it was just such an amazing experience. I think my stomach growled on that. That was that weird. Was. That was interesting. Um, so... So, yeah, so basically you're going to school for you're going to university for at least 10 years in order to. Yep. Four, get, yeah. So four, five, six years already. So I'm in my te- I will start my 10th year of, uh, hi- I guess, higher education, graduate type stuff. Then I still have to find an internship and then do a residency. Woof. And I'm not a spring chicken. I'm not 23 anymore. I know. I'm well, 26. So yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> of course you are. Yeah. That's, shut that's, up. Shut up, Zach. That's your exact age. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay um so have you okay let's yes. go through the the, the famous ones because it yes. seems like as a country we are all going through a love of murder at the moment you look at yeah. any netflix or hulu show or anything like that or another podcast making uh my favorite murder my favorite murder I, I, they're great and it took me. I'm. I've, the first, I was not able to get into them for a long time because they talk a lot before they talk about murder. They do, and that's I. I love them. Again, and they're funny, and that's the them. thing. They're, they're hilarious. hilarious. But it's like I'm looking for just some dark shit. I mean, uh, they're that's so one of the reasons funny. I like, love the. Yeah. Um, the you know the classic. You have cereal. Oh which my was god! Like, I so think good. I think cereal was was the start. It wasn't the start. It wasn't the first one by any means, but it was definitely what started people's obsession with true crime podcasts. Was serial yeah. by far. It's when it blew up. So verdict on you, Adnan. Did it? Didn't do it? What do you think? You listened. God, he's got I another wanna, trial. He's I going know. back for trial again. Here's the thing. I I don't know if he's guilty or not. I don't uh-huh. think he should have been found guilty because at the very beginning of serial, when they're like. 
think of what you did, you know, three weeks ago or this time ago or whatever. I think there's enough reasonable doubt he should not have been found guilty. Yeah. However. Um, but that's a much bigger problem. Like in a, our justice yeah. system is once you're found guilty, the oh, that's appeal. That's a gorgeous picture of Laura. Yeah, Sorry. I'm just going to throw this out there that Zach's wife's a hottie. Yeah. She was on my phone, everybody. She's pretty. Yeah. But once you've been found guilty by the criminal justice system, you're getting out, yeah. a, an appeal of any sort. I know. It is is insane. It's like yeah. so heavily difficult. So what do you think? I mean, do you think he, well, I don't think he had a motive? I don't think he had a motive either. Yeah. And that's that's my big thing about serial. What gets me about all of these like podcasts and docu docu series mm -hmm. and whatnot is that a lot of the, the people making it want you to think a certain thing. Oh, so that's the thing. Sure. I'm like, I don't think, based on listening to Serial, I don't think Adnan did it. But neither does the person making the <laughs> podcast. That's true. So she's kind of, she's trying, she's, she does a very good job of being like balanced, but she also sort of does doesn't. She? I know. I mean, I love her. her she questions. Voice. She brings up the questions. She brings yeah. up all the other points, but it's kind of like. I don't know. But it's also her tone and like kind of the music that it's like Adnan was like, I don't yeah. know. There's a level it's, of like this poor boy. They kind of. Yeah, ex exactly. The, he's treated like this poor boy that got caught up in this thing. Right. And it, it's uh, it, it. I'm with you. It doesn't seem like he had a motive. But then again, we're only being given the information. So much information. Like a big thing that was like double information that people didn't get was mm -hmm. um, how to make a murderer. Right. That's how, that's what it's making called? a murder, making a murder, how to make, how a, murder. To make a, it's murder. a murder. It's, it's a how to, how -to book, <laughs> it's a make, how -to making book a murderer. Um, that was another one where they very much skewed it to this guy and his nephew did not do it. But then later on, you hear other stuff where you're just right. like he <laughs> Stephen Avery had called this same woman to his apartment m multiple, times. multiple, multiple yeah. times. And it answered the door naked and done like some real weird. Wait, You don't answer the door naked. Not usually. Unless I mean, it's you didn't delivery. today, but that's just it's professional. So I know. No, exactly. If I'm getting a food delivery, I uh -huh. mean, I'm not covering up. No, of it. course not. <laughs> I give him an It's like the reverse porn instead of like the delivery boy coming <laughs> yeah, exactly. to do stuff. You're like, what up? <laughs> and I'm just not just just <laughs> like I'm a model. Just, just walking <laughs> up, just gross and sweaty, and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no sexual overtones. <laughs> just give me my food. I'm gonna go eat this naked now. <laughs> I'm going this way. There's an image, everybody. Um, but we switched over to making a murder because yes. that's my favorite one. Oh, it's so good. So let's start off. Um that was another one that was skewed as to like, oh, they definitely want us to think mm -hmm. Stephen Avery is innocent at the Manitoba County did a lot of terrible things. They did. And that's the thing they did. My, I always try to believe in the investigative team because it's the way our society was built. Morally, these people are supposed to be of a higher standard, just trying to find it but they never are which is very disappointing but i when i see these things i always give the cops the benefit of a doubt of like oh they're just doing their job but that fucking key 
that, that just showed up key. out of fucking nowhere. You're kind of just like, there's no fucking way you guys missed that the yeah. first time. You're sweeping the house. You're sweeping the house for hairs and fingerprints. You're not going to notice a car key with his name printed on yeah. it just sitting in the middle of the floor. Just fucking. They're like, oh, it was behind a nightstand. You guys don't check behind nightstands? Nightstand. Like, for hairs and fibers. But exactly. Not. Did you see all those memes where it was like, well, I couldn't find this and it's like the biggest thing in the world so i called the manitoba sheriff's department oh my god no um here's my thing so i also try to believe that the cops are just and good and everything and for the most part i 100 percent think they are i think they're i but i think that the the bad apples that we hear about way more often than we hear about the good guys yeah because what happens when the good guys do their yeah when they when the good guys do good they're doing their job yeah. Wait, so which which they're doing an amazing job and they're doing amazing things for the community and the world. Yeah. But we kind of look at it as you're just doing your job. You're not going to get an ec- like you don't you don't you're not highlighted in the six exactly. o'clock news for solving the crime that you were supposed to solve. And doing However, it kindly and rashly exactly. and rationally and all that. But I also want to say just while I have this. Um, a lot of when I worked at the prison, people would ask about the COs as well. Ooh, those are different. But they're ve- they're different. But people watch so much of Orange Is the New Black, and there are yeah. all these stories out there of COs who really mistreat inmates and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's what Oz is. Oz is just COs yeah. beating the shit out of people. Yeah. So that's I think that's what people think they are. But yeah. when I worked at the prison, again, I'm not gonna say. No, 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 don't say that. don't say that. They were some of the most wonderful people. Yeah. And I have a friend from high school who's a CEO and he's yeah. a super nice guy. And I, I imagine he's not uh, beating up Mariska Hargitay while she's undercover. No, yeah. I would. I mean, I, I'm going to go ahead and say you can 100 percent assume that. Yeah. Well, th- yeah, that, that exact scenario. That exact scenario. <laughs> but no, I mean, I worked in. So when I was working at the prison, I worked in the mental health infirmary. And this is yeah. like kind of a triage thing where women have tried to kill themselves or they've swallowed things. They're having like some kind of like mental or emotional episode and these are people who would self-select the ceos would choose to be there and they all were you know obviously they would have their moments of whatever but they were kind and patient and all of this so i just i felt like i wanted to get that out there because um i do think that there are a lot of great people in law enforcement but then we see yeah like on making murder and everything i mean that's the thing we don't see especially in like tv and film right now we're not seeing a lot of cops doing good jobs no. on tv or no. <laughs> anything right now because that's it's not, not where interesting it's <laughs> not interesting it's not where our attention is especially when you have these true life stories of people doing things like the manitoba county mm-hmm. flagrantly planting evidence <laughs> and just denying it to the moon oh and back and just well, being did you see east of memphis i don't do think, you know the no. west memphis three that story nope Okay, so for you and everyone listening to this, yeah. the um, I forget what it's called, like the Murders at Robin Hood something. It's all these documentaries on HBO. It's a story of the West Memphis Three. It's these three boys. One of them has it's like it's kind of like in Making Murder where they go to Brendan and they ask like where he was and he's just not. Which um, we're gonna get back to right. because I need to understand that. Right, he's not mentally all there. And yeah. one of the um, suspects in the West Memphis Three, I think his uh, IQ was something like sixty-five, and they were basically like, he. There is a picture of him at WrestleMania. Funny story. I think Brendan, Brendan, like wrestling too. Brendan wanted to get it. Yes. Brendan was upset that he was gonna miss WrestleMania because he was in prison for rape and murder. I know. Oh, it was so endearing though. Anyway. 
So there's a picture of this one guy, Jesse Miss Kelly, at WrestleMania at the time of the murders. They're like, Jesse, well, maybe it could have been earlier. He was like, no, like, I I saw the boys at this time because they're basically baiting him to admit yeah. it because he's not all there. And he's like, yeah, no, no, no. It was it was at, like, 4 o'clock. They're like, don't you think it could have been earlier? Don't you think it could have been later? And they basically just totally get him to, like, admit it. And then it's admit this that th- he murdered and then went to WrestleMania after. They don't, they say it's like <laughs> the date could have been changed or something. Oh. And it's these it's these like two young boys were like murdered and tortured and all of this Jesus. stuff. And so there are three movies all about their time in prison and the trial. And this one guy, Damien, um, listened to a lot of metal, had dark hair, all that stuff. And basically they were like, oh, yeah, he's a troublemaker. These are his friends. They're in jail. And they spent, I want to say, like 16 years in jail and then um damien met this woman who was an attorney most people tend like you hear about these prison wives who are like you know interested in the killers oh, laura is obsessed with them laura's yeah. trying to open up a p.o box so she can send prisoners mail oh god laura and i are gonna have to have a conversation <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just wants to st- i mean i love her but laura no, i know no, i was like don't idea. do that but um so she ends up like getting involved in the case and they find all of these like actual forensic scientists and the forensic psychologist who testified like basically got his um his uh diploma online like he like he got his doctorate basically taking online classes and like was not qualified so there's like all these different ways that can go completely wrong and i think that should be brought to light in a movie like east of memphis or maybe it's west of memphis sorry everybody if i'm getting it wrong um but also, I'm with you in that I try to really support and think they're doing a good job. But then, but then, you then watch Manitoba's them do it the like, bad ones. Like, well, that's the thing. So especially with in uh, making a murder, their whole the whole Brandon Dassey confession. Oh my god! Watching that whole thing play out because you know they had the video and the audio, and we all watched it on the documentary. Yeah. How does a person like an interrogator? think they're doing the right thing when it's almost obvious you're you're trying to get the kid to lie to you like on purpose yeah. sometimes do they just decide like this guy has to be guilty so we're gonna get him to say whatever the hell he needs to say in order to yeah. put him away because it was like it was such an obvious thing that for one this kid's not mentally all there no at all for two he so didn't say everything he said in a confession was him just repeating what you said. Yep, to him. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And not understanding that that's not what understanding he was doing. that he was just doing that. And afterwards, after he you knew he w- didn't know what was happening, because after he repeated the detectives confessed to rape and murder of this poor woman, then he was like, I have a project due in sixth Aww. period. Can I go back to class? And it was just like, like he's clearly not getting it. Yeah, like, he doesn't know. He's just like, yeah. well, I'll say whatever you want. Can I go back to class? And it's just like. Yeah. I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. I think there could be. I think there's obviously some just iffy cops who are just yeah. like, nope, I'm going to get it. And I don't care. I think that there are good cops who succumb to pressure or almost like think about like a sales job like you have to make the sale you have to get your quota you have to do this like there's a lot of pressure to solve a crime i could almost see someone losing clarity yeah and and totally meaning to do the right thing like i'm not just going to throw out and be like oh they're all assholes they aren't doing the right thing like i think people could succumb to pressure and get lost in it and be like 
nope, like we got to get him off the streets. He's a bad guy. And yeah. like, yeah. So I think it could be a difference in personality, but I get, I mean, I could see it happening. I tend to think of, I think anyone's capable of anything, just depending on circumstances. So I don't. Oh my God, there was this show. Oh, it was on Netflix. I can't remember what it, it was called. The Push. That's what it was. I've oh, never heard of this. Jesus Christ. It was the most fucked up social experiment slash reality show Oh my ever. God, I'm so excited. What happens Tell is they everything. get these guests to come in and they're doing an event or something. They're basically there for a business, trying to, they're all business owners and mm-hmm. they're all like asked to attend this event. And what happens is a man is... They manipulate the situation. Mm-hmm. I'll just tell you the short okay. version. There's about 150 actors. They play out scenarios all around them. Everyone's in it but the one person. And essentially, they manipulate the hell out of this person. And at the very end, they get to the point where they try to make the person push another living, breathing human being off a roof. What? To kill them. They do it to make them think... That they have to kill this person. Oh, dude, that's so messed up. It is the most fucked up show I've ever seen. And that you follow this one guy all the way through it. And the whole scenario is like, first the guy, the guy, the keynote speaker is an asshole. And then he has a heart attack and this event has to go on. So like they're able to convince this dude to like help them hide the body while they finish the event. But they do little oh manipulations along the way. Like, they oh. start off from the very beginning getting him, like, just all these mil- manipulations. That's what, yeah, tactics. that is the. M- and they finally, yes. it, and it's it's the most, and this is the way, I, I really think this is how this shit works. And it they is, get him to manipulate. No, exactly. Yeah. It's very cult like. And this was in, in four hours. They were able to get a good person to, like, Anyway, so this guy dies and they hide his body and they do all this thing and then they have they trick him into posing as the person who just died because no one had met him. And then what? All these terrible things happen. They're trying to hide the body, they're trying to do this. They get them to mutilate what they think is the dead body. They you have, gotta be kidding. Because me. they're like, no one's gonna believe he just died. If we're gonna say that he fell down the stairs, he has to have some bruises and whatnot. You're oh gonna have to my god. So they get these people to like kick and beat up the dead body which is a special effects body but like a really fucking good one but like so, and spent. the person this is just an average oh joe, this average like joe an, thinks see? this is all so all of these people were put through a casting process oh. and then they were all told they didn't get it mm. and oh then of they're course. just yeah, thrown it's... onto the show not knowing they think yeah. all that shit's over um and basically at the end of it it turns out that the guy had some sort of like a not a narcolepsy, but some sort of reaction to his medicine. And now he was conscious and he heard there was like an audio tape where <laughs> they heard the person confessing to like killing him or, Oh my God. And they are, they end up on the roof with the guy who's like, I'm going to the police. You're all going to jail for the rest of your life. And it's like two other guys. And then they all, then like the two other dudes convince the, the Mark to push the other guy off the fucking roof and you follow this one guy the whole time this is the guy so inappropriate not the, the, guy, the guy you follow the whole time ends up when it comes to the moment where they're like shove him off the roof this all goes you're going to prison for the rest of your life you're getting financially ruined your kids are getting taken away or you can no one's you know we we're the only witnesses you mm. push him off this roof and this all goes away 
he absolutely refused. He goes, I don't give a fuck. I'm not doing this. I'm not oh. murdering a person. But then what they do is they switch <laughs> Wait, it on can you. Can we just say that you're like, I'm not murdering a person. I'm like, oh, that's nice. I know. What a good guy. Well, I mean, that's the thing. And he, so, but then what they do, he yeah. also, oh, re- th- this guy that they follow also refused to kick the body and like leave bruises. He was like, no, fuck you. I'm not doing that. I'm not beating up a dead corpse. Yeah. Then what they do at the very end when you're Jesus. like, okay, good. This, per- you know, people have a heart. You can't convince them to do them. Then you find out that they didn't do this with one person. They did it with six people. And every other, <laughs> the other five people oh my God. all beat up the dead body, all did terrible things. And all the other five out of the six all pushed him off the roof. Jesus Christ almighty. <laughs> and I it mean, was just like, surpri- and that's the thing. And then afterwards they interview him. They're like, so we got you. You thought that was real, right? And this person in their heart just committed murder. <laughs> and they were just like, I, I, I just, <laughs> how did you ever look at yourself again? Knowing that you were not only that you commit murder, but in the course of four hours, you were manipulated to do it. They've seen the movie. The game by David Fincher way too way yeah, too many times it was to pull that kind of the most, It was a British um, reality show, which oh, makes a little bit more sense because they're Brits. way more twisted. Yeah, they are. And oh. but no, that is how manipulation works. Like we actually had a prison training. By the way, one of the funniest moments we learned that um, someone made a crossbow out of all these different things you can find in prison with like a pencil and rubber bands and all this stuff. That's awesome. And this dude who came in, I swear, he was like stoned. I don't know what prison he ended up working at, but we were like, oh, this guy's going to be lock himself in a cell. He had no idea what was going on. He goes, whoa, can you kill someone with that? And our instructor just takes her glasses off. She's a sassy lady. She looks over and goes, yes, sir. It's a crossbow and all of us just lost it. But yeah, one of the things they taught us was like even the smallest favor, the tiniest thing. If an inmate asks you for a bobby pin and this was a true story, inmate asked you for a bobby pin and there was a former intern who said, yeah, like I'll give you a bobby pin. No problem. Like you need it. You're not allowed to do that. You're just not allowed no. to like transfer anything. Because that could be, a w- I mean, especially even something as simple as a body b- bobby pin can be made into a weapon. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, bobby pin then leads to like, oh, can I have a piece of gum or candy or anything? Like all of these things that are contraband. So it can start with a bobby pin and lead to, oh, well, you gave me that bobby pin. You weren't allowed to do it. So I'm going to tell unless you do this. And there's like these threats. And yeah. it can lead up to some really Well, in all of these things. prison tv shows mm-hmm. like um like oz but also did you see the night of i did oh my god that was another really good one um, what's his name the main character so good he is incredible in that i can't remember yeah you're not gonna remember his name riz ahmed yes is that it? yeah yeah yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Good love for him me. good for me i'm proud of you uh <laughs> i know i'm so bad at remembering names but um well in that one they showed like how quickly the COs like in that show were manipulated into like just you know one guy just got food brought to him every single Mm -hmm. night he got you know drugs transferred to him through the corrections officers and whatnot and it it does it starts that way of that little like oh well you did this I'm gonna tell on you oh now you're so deep in you have to do whatever the hell I tell you and I also read I remember talking about this actually um in my interview for grad school I had just read at the time that a lot of COs come from the streets and like yeah. they're trying to bed themselves but maybe they were in a gang or still are and their alliance to the gang is a lot stronger than their alliance to being a corrections being officer. a corrections officer i mean i never encountered that um like i said i don't think i encountered a single rude 
Yeah. CO. One of them gave me a hug when I was having a bad day. He's like, it's all right, sweetie. Everything's good. I'm oh, like, geez. my God, just adopt me, all of you. <laughs> um, but yes, in like, yeah, in the night of, I'm sure that does happen. The night of was also a great show showing that people who do go to prison or he wasn't even in prison. He was in holding. He was in jail. Like, oh, yeah, who, the tri- yeah, the like people who go to jail who are entirely innocent can become so hardened so quickly in order to survive in the prison. And that's kind of what you see going back to serial. Mm -hmm. If you see pictures of Adnan now, he looks like a fucking, he's like, he's jacked out of his mind. He's a scary looking dude with a beard down to his sternum. And he, but I've seen it. It's kind of like, that's what he has. That's what you got to do to survive. And and the, yeah, and the messed up thing is so in the juvenile system when you go to like juvie hall and things like that, yeah. the idea is reform and you know not punish, just try and correct yeah. and like let's get them rehabilitated and things like that. Adults, it's not. I mean, they flat out say oh, it's, it's like it's not a thing. It's punishment, and it's a completely not completely, but a largely for profit system at this point. Yeah. So and it, they're they profiting want- off of minorities and people who were born into like they're born into a system that doesn't give them opportunities so then like yeah goes back to what we said most of the people in there for nonviolent drug offenses yep a lot of them for possession in california a lot of them are there on a three strikes and you're outlaw they're Mm -hmm. getting uh, they're in prison for the rest of their lives because they had drug possession charges a couple times and it's it's fucking insane i did meet there was Uh, one guy in there that i met and it was it was very, he was like, I mean, you would see this guy at like a fish show with like a, you know, a couple yeah. ounces or something like that. He got arrested. I don't think he ever served any time. He got arrested for possession of weed and then never showed up to see his PO or his like, his, I guess he wasn't on parole, but he had to see someone because he was basically like on yeah. probation. Yeah, his probation officer. And he never met with him. So then he had to go do a year in prison. And I just looked at him. And I was like, dude, how do you feel about that decision right now? He's like, I know. <laughs> like, it was stupid. So I'm like, bud, come on. So you, I mean, I saw everyone and yeah, yeah, but there was a lot of, sorry, there was a lot of, um, as I met with the person and as I've gone further in my career, it's like, I realized, like I said, one, anyone's capable of anything. And two, I look at where someone came from yeah. and realize that like, just because I happened to be born into the family I was and had the opportunities I did, yeah. doesn't make me better. It just means no, that I wasn't placed in a position where I had to choose, absolutely. oh, am I going to deal drugs or be with this guy instead of, you know, whatever, Absolutely. prostituting myself, whatever. So... Um, yeah, that's definitely something that I think that I've, uh, developed, I guess, over time being in the prison. And now I watch these shows and I'm like, yeah, but like, where did he come from (laughs) to be like this in the prison? So what happens when you're faced with somebody? Cause there, there are people that you see, you can obviously see the circumstances and the manipulation that might've led them to do a terrible thing. For sure. That's super understandable by a layman like myself. Mm-hmm. I can understand how people are manipulated into doing stuff like that. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> then you have, like, the Dahmers of the world. Mm-hmm. Haven't met one yet. I know. Are you itching, like, too? <laughs> I'm itching, too. I know everyone's like, you want to be Clarice Starling. And I'm yeah. like, I do. But what happens with, 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 do they prep you in any way to deal with someone who is just a pure sociopath like that? Um, I mean, I would imagine, like, I feel like, 
Yes. So if I were to go in and meet with someone and, you know, the person was like this person, they wouldn't generally, they wouldn't say sociopath. They they might say psychopath. Generally, they'd say like antisocial personality disorder, really yeah. narcissistic, this, and give me like the whole idea. So, yeah, you're prepped somewhat. Um, I've also gone in and met people knowing nothing about them or I've read their chart and their file and everything yeah. first. Um, so, yeah, to go back to, say, like Clarice Starling or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. they give her an idea of what he's like. No, and then totally. you just kind of steal yourself for it. And you have to kind of get your like your backup a little bit of like, no, I'm not going to believe what you say. You're not going to manipulate me. This is what it is. I mean, again, I haven't met. I think I met one guy who will be. Like he might be, jeez, something now. In, in, a, in a perfect world, yes, our prison system would be more like the juvenile system, where it is about reform and correction and turning them into better people. But then you have people, but also not putting certain people in prison in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. No, 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 totally. Yes. But I'm talking about the serial killers of the world, okay, <clears throat> like the Jeffrey Dahmers and whatnot. Is there ever? a chance of correcting people of that level. No, I don't think so. Just not. Yeah. Just not. I mean, <laughs> but if we're talking about a serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably not because it's going to be a situation where it's like, well, see, I was about to make a bad analogy like to alcoholism or something, but well, actually, yeah. Like you can never cure an alcoholic. Like they're all, you know what I mean? They're always like in recovery. Okay. Um, the way that I learned about it and when my profiling thing is like it's, you know, something ingrained. It's like they might have antisocial personality disorder. They might actually be a psychopath, which is a little more rare than having antisocial personality disorder. It's kind of the same actions, but with like a different flavor. Is there any sort of therapy or anything that can... Are, are people of that level just have to be locked up for the rest of their lives? I or think put in a serial situation, yeah. in a serial situation where it's like compulsive behavior, we actually, okay, so we were talking about death row and things like that. I was like the yeah, yeah. one person in my correctional psych class that raised my hand when the professor asked if I would support the death penalty. And I said, only in specific situations. There's so many people who've been on death row or been in prison for a and while and been, didn't do anything. found out 30 years of, uh, yeah, being on death row waiting to be waiting to die for 30 years exactly they get exonerated after right so yeah something like that now i am only a supporter of it this got political real quick yeah, um yeah, yeah. someone like Dahmer, where it's like they found a head in his fridge and body parts and his dna and everything and like you know he did it or my professor mentioned someone who even said like i'm not gonna stop like you yeah. guys are gonna have to put me on death row i'm not gonna stop then yeah, I don't think there's any rehabilitation or yeah. anything at that point. I think there's a part where you just get to um, kind of like, fuck it, this is me and this is what I like to do. And this is I get something out of it. It's like a compulsive behavior. Yeah. Um, that no, I don't think it can be. Uh, I don't think you can really turn someone and like really what like what do you but think you're going to like take if Dahmer was on death row but never no, had, exactly. do you want to like bring him back to the public no no exactly and 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 it's you know that was a, it's a tough question to be like do you think are there p people that are just hopeless but it's also understand like the Jeffrey Dahmers the Ted Bundys that like that that yeah. is the biggest exception to the rules Absolutely. ever those are like the Absolutely. hugest outliers 
we're talking about 10 dudes in 10 million like like you know and albert fish who killed a little girl and then like wrote her parents a very graphic letter about like eating her body i mean things like that jesus sorry no 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 (laughs) i mean that's the thing um yeah you know like things like that i mean i'm i also think that there are situations like i think it's bullshit casey anthony's free yes i agree with you but then there are things like the jury said oh well we didn't hear that like some things that they didn't hear i can't remember because it was a couple years now but they're like oh we didn't hear that and like well then the trial wasn't done properly or whatever like she should be i think in prison for the rest of her life i think she killed her daughter and that is a very like definitive that's who you are you had that in you to be able to do that yeah and i don't think you should be allowed out in society again then there are situations where it's like self-defense or this or that and people don't take it into account because maybe they're not a pretty white girl from florida no i know so it's all it's all just such a gray area and it's all really really tricky but you're right like when it comes to those definitive significant outliers where it is like the ones that we that we make movies about and and you know the ones that become horror movies themselves because they do these horrific things yeah i I saw did you see the movie my friend Dahmer? i didn't see it i was kind of like iffy that's a bummer i would have loved to talk to you about that because it's it's weird it's very weird because the whole thing the the whole thing is about um his high school life right and it's 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 showing the little signs that made it like oh this there's something wrong with this kid for example he was doing a lot of killing and dismembering animals in the woods behind oh, his house. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of that, which I know is a big old sign. Um, um, not on the psychopathy checklist, though. It's not. Really? So, the psychopathy checklist is 20 items. And so, you know, that that triad people say. <laughs> I love that you said it was 20. I watch a lot of Dr. Phil. Yeah. And uh, there was one of them where, yeah, they talk about like the 20 items yeah. on the list of their signs. And he, <laughs> he had like a. 13 year old kids parents Did he give it to oh and he just and he's telling the parents and he goes you guys got to do something because here's like the psychopathy checklist there's 20 items your 13 year old boy has 17 of them <laughs> and it was it was no well he also sad. if he said 17 then he did it wrong because it's like a rank of like zero one to two yeah. so if you get a 40 you are like i think eileen warnos was i remember reading somewhere she was like a 32 and if you're like a 30 or above it's like whoa yeah um but anyway yeah there's this triad this article came out years ago the mcdonald triad that it's like uh fire setting bedwetting and killing of animals and you're a psychopath and you're going to be a serial killer but those are actually none of them are on i know a lot of people who have wet the bed full we're not talking (laughs) about drunken frat boys no 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 (laughs) not even saying that i'm like i know a lot of kids who wet the bed up until they were like 12 or 13 years yeah. old. Yeah. I mean, they're red flags and you pay attention, but And I used to is God damn it. In my head I'm like I used to set fires in my basement. Um But you it's I But I, I think that was for just a little boy, ooh, look at the pretty colors thing. I got yeah. in trouble. I, my dad had a very large collection of vintage Playboy? Like, no. Uh, <laughs> no, my dad was a, my dad I'm just was kidding. A nerd. It was National Geographics. They were all like Aww. these original National Geographics. And I found out as a young kid that if I lit them on fire, um, because of the ink, it would burn like green and purple and stuff. Oh, that's good. <laughs> see, that's kind of cool. And I thought that <laughs> yeah. was really cool. And so, yeah, then my dad caught me lighting his vintage National Geographics yeah. that he had collected. Yeah, I think. 
I get that though, and yeah, it is. Like, look at the pretty colors. It's like yeah. I'm talking like compulsive fire setting where it no, like totally. goes up. Or actually, um, peeping tom is actually more of like oh, a scary see, that thing that we need to think terrifying. about yeah. because that is a sort of a gateway. Like oh, we yeah. just thought of as a gateway drug. That's like a gateway crime. Like one of the crimes way to profile. This guy started as peeping tom for his neighbor, and then it turned into like other stuff because it's like. Um, you know how like when people take drugs, it's like they take a drug and then they get kind of used to it and they need more and more to get yeah, the high. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like that for certain people. That was the whole thing. And like my friend Dahmer's, he kept doing like these little things that you were yeah. killing animals, doing stuff. And then he would act out for attention. He, he developed this small group of friends. But the only way he developed this group of friends is he would spaz out. I remember seeing that in the trailer. And I couldn't remember what they called it, but it was something like they were like, oh, let's get. Jeff, you know, let's get Dahmer to just spaz out. And he would like spaz out and start screaming and mumbling and acting like a crazy person. And his friends, quotation fingers, thought this was the funniest thing in the world. But then as it went on, it just got sad scary. and oh. scary. They were yeah. just kind of like, because he never got past the just spazzing out because he's in his, because he was so antisocial. He was like, that's the way I connect to people. They laugh when I do this. Yeah. But he couldn't go past that. It couldn't be like, yeah, you laugh when you do this, and but then you talk to him after you get him to laugh, and like it, it was very, very weird. Anyway, the whole thing goes up where you see these little signs by little signs, and then you see him almost kill one of his best friends, and his best oh, friends Jesus. like I'm getting, the, and he could tell he was like I'm getting the fuck out of here, and then it ends with him uh, picking up his first victim, which was the name like, and they named him like of whoever his first victim was, just picking him up like hitchhiking on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah, it's like the little things and the build up and everything, yeah. and you know, um, also one of the profiling things was like, do you think it was this person's first crime? Was it sloppy? Um, there was one. They always say that in movies where they're just like, this one's sloppy. He's yeah, get, he's getting better. Like, no, there was one crime that we. This was just funny. My um, our profiling professor told us a crime about uh, this dude who lived in a motel, mm -hmm. and he, I think he, he would rape and murder women, and he would only wear socks. Literally, like totally naked, would wear socks. Can't remember if he wore a condom, but then he would pour something on the women to like get rid of evidence. But whatever it was, it actually preserved it. So he was doing all this, and they like found his semen and caught it. This is how I know it's this like, is the career you're meant for. Cause why? Because <laughs> you're just like this was really funny. Actually, <laughs> he raped and murdered these women, and then like he accidentally preserved all the evidence. Isn't I mean, that but that's funny? it's okay. It's ironic. It's ironic. It's very ironic. It's ironic. It's very ironic, but. I you mean, have to I'm have a, a good, certain. I'm a good person. No, Zach. you are a good person. You are, but you have to have a certain stomach, I think, to to to. to stomach deal and with dark these. humor. Dark humor. Dark, way dark. Is that humor. a is that a big thing in like other oh, forensic yeah. psychologists you've met? Oh, is dark yeah. humor? Oh yeah, no, we have these things where it's just like we say something and it's like, we have to laugh to get through it. Like you know, yeah. you just you kind of, and it's not that we don't care. It's no, it's your. I mean, it's your own coping mechanism. Of exactly. Like, if I really take all of this to heart all the time, I'm not gonna be able to get through my day. Exactly. And there's certainly like I can't hear about animals. Like I just 100. percent I have such a hard time hearing about animal abuse, things like that. Like. <laughs> why? Are you, why are you laughing? Because, I mean, I I, I also have a hard time hearing about like animal abuse or anything like that mm -hmm. but i also have a hard time hearing about murder <laughs> and torture and all that other stuff i mean it's for me i guess it's a thing that like you know 
dogs and animals and stuff are innocent. Like they no, didn't totally. do anything. No, no, yeah. Um, I, t- I totally get that. Same with kids, but kids like I kind of I block it out. It's almost like when I hear have to hear about that kind of stuff. It almost doesn't affect me because it's like not I it's like it's so horrible that yeah. I almost act like it's like not. Are real. there different forms of forensic psychologists that deal specifically with children? Um yes. Or is actually, that like yeah. a case that you could see come you you know, even though you're working in like an adult prison, is that a case that could come your way? Or is Probably it, not. Yeah. Um there so at most schools, there's like the forensic track. You can do the child track. You can do this, that. Like, yeah. had I really thought about it, maybe I could have followed the forensic and child to get more experience of everything. Yeah. Um, but one of my professors is like specific about like, you know, she taught the juvenile forensic psychology class, and like yeah. she knows about the because de- the development, and the treatment, and the st- and the diagnoses are all very different because they're not yeah. going to diagnose, you know, a 14 year old boy as antisocial personality disorder. Or anything like that. Because he hasn't developed to the point where that's a diagnosis you can make or. Right. It's um, will it be unethical. Like you would yeah. just do something like um, that he uh, like oppositional defiant disorder, things like that. It's like very different things because at that point, people are still hoping you can rehabilitate yeah. from something like that. Um, I think also one of my my uh, neuropsych professor said something I really liked. He was like, there are people, like picture someone as like an egg and some eggs already have some cracks to them. Yeah. More easily broken by their society. So that's where it's sort of like, if you're born and you have a strong constitution, but like maybe you have a propensity towards something. Yeah. Like you're going to bounce back easier. Or if you're like kind of a weaker person, but like you have a really good family and like you grow up okay. Like there are studies that show that there were twins who were adopted to different families and like one developed schizophrenia and one didn't even though they both sort of had the gene to develop it because one yeah. was in a more nurturing environment than others so there is like a level of at a certain point when you're still young if someone has that propensity like if you do kind of like these wraparound treatments like yeah you can kind of you can maybe make a difference there but once someone's an adult and already in it then it's i feel like i kind of went back and no no but no more. but that's 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 great like it's I don't know. I find this so interesting. Like, is there. Okay. Psychology is very different, obviously, especially forensic psychology is very different than than other aspects of the medical profession. Oh, yeah. You're never really, quotation fingers, curing anybody. Are you? No, I I don't think so. Um, I think that I mean, there are things I remember reading some um, statistic that like most people will have a depressive episode or something like that. So maybe you're not cured because it could come back again or something. I mean, I don't know. I think everything is sort of just on a spectrum and your level of happiness, your level of anxiety, things like that for like a lot of people. And then if you have a personality disorder, personality disorders are never cured. Um, And I think that if you have major depression or you have anxiety or things like that, like, you may think you're cured at me, you, but I, I tend to look at it as like you're in remission. Like yeah. you've dealt with it and maybe you're in a great place and, and you're, you're stronger, you're but like be aware. And you're doing, yeah. Oh, coping skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, just I'm, I'm of the mind that like, just be aware, be happy that you're strong and all of that, what's going on. But like, don't ever take it for granted. Don't ever think you're completely out of the woods because even someone who's never had a depressive episode could still be at a totally. point where they need help or they're yeah. in a bad situation or, 
whatever. So that's why I'm kind of I'm glad that it seems to some degree like the um, the stigma of getting treatment has gone down. I mean, Thank obviously no, significantly yeah. over the past several years. No, but. it really has, which it, <coughs> which is good. And hopefully a lot of people will get the help they need because of it. Yeah. Um, but yes. And then in terms of killing, that's a different story. I know. Story. I know. That's funny. That's, a, that's yeah, what I like about I'm this like, conversation. We're going between general psychology I know, I know. and. Well, that's. But let's where talk my about is. the murderer. Let's talk about the murder. Oh, my God. Um, <clears throat> do you ever. Is the idea of meeting with somebody who has done these horrible things ever scary for you? No. No, I don't. I don't know why it's not. I think it's I, I think it's a challenge to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the weird thing is, so um, I'm not going to, you know, get into specifics about myself, obviously, again. But like, I remember thinking like, OK, I'm walking into this prison. Am I going to be able to see the person or just the crime? And it's yeah. like you think it's going to be hard for me. It was so easy. Like you sit down with these people and very different presentations. They're all di- they're people. Yeah. Um, and you hear like so what I had to do is I basically hear their life story and I gave them like assessments and things like that. But I basically also heard what they grew up in, what their lives were like. Yeah. So I never went in like, oh, well, this person did something horrible. They're going to be so scary or anything. I mean, it's also let's not lie. It was in a prison like there were COs everywhere and I felt incredibly safe. Yeah. Um, I actually think I remember telling uh, my supervisor at one point, she's like, you're never scared. And you go in like, I think the real world is scarier. You don't know what you're getting. Yeah. Out when you walk out in the world. But I know I'm walking in with this file saying this guy, you know, beat his wife or yeah. whatever. That's um, <coughs> that's that's always what scares me the most is because when I watch any of these like horror movies, especially like slasher things. Mm-hmm. I think when I was saying like earlier that like the, the torture and gore and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I love anything paranormal. I love all the conjurings. I love anything with demons. I love all of those types of horror movies. So you can hang that over our friend Joe Bellino. He does not like this. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm so like, <gasps> No, Paranormal Activity was so good. And yeah. I think it was made on like no money. No, exactly. I love that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I love the supernatural. I love all. Those are like ghost story things that don't scare me. Even like the slashers, but the slashers like a weird demon thing like Freddy Krueger or something yeah, like Jason that. Jason can't Jason, die. Or Jason <laughs> Voorhees. Nothing like that scares me. Real people scare the shit out of me. Yeah. Like the horror movies where it's a, a real person doing terrible things are what just really yeah. get me that I can't take. Well, especially for no reason. Yeah. Um, my uh, One of my best friends has me watching Forensic Files on Netflix, and she was so funny. She's like, there are like nine seasons, and there's like 40 episodes a season. Like we can watch this for the rest of our lives. And she has generally been a pretty chill person. Like, yeah. I tell her I'm working at the prison. I tell her I'm doing this. And she's, like, not scared for me, not worried. After watching Friends of College, she's like, oh, my God, the world is so scary. Like, all these people yeah. are killing their wives for oh, no yeah. reason or killing strangers or killing over money or, like, you know, a kid wants to kill her parents because she wants to date the boyfriend. Like, there's a lot of senseless tragedy. And, again, I think I'm not scared because I like being informed. I like knowing what's out there. I like knowing how to conduct myself around different people yeah i mean and that said like i mean i've sat with maybe two or three people that gave me a little bit of like a, all right okay there's you're not just like the yeah the average dude on the cell block like no, there's exactly. there's more going on here and you might you might be at that level or whatever um 
So, I mean, it's not like I can sit here and if you were to put me in a room with the next Dahmer that I would just be totally chill. Yeah. However, I think I I don't think I'm lying when I say I, I think I can handle it better than most people just yeah. because I don't scare easily in yeah. that way. Mice, again, but... <laughs> Mice, not, yeah. forget about it. Mice, forget about it. I'm jumping up on a table. Someone kicks a puppy, you're bursting <gasps> into tears. But oh, my God. No, no, no. I will freak out. <laughs> but uh, triple... Just the other day, in our in this neighborhood, there was a quadruple homicide um, slash suicide. What, are they, what do you call those? Murder-suicide? Murder-suicide. Whole family taken out. Oh, that's... Was it the husband who did it? Yep. Uh, it's a family annihilator. Family Annihilator. That's yeah. what it was. I was looking for the exact idea yeah, of that. Yeah, Family Annihilator. And that happened actually in a town over from me in Connecticut, like my parents' house in Connecticut. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. It, it's just. See, to me, it's sad. Like, it stuff is. Like no, that no, it's scary. horribly sad. It's but just I think, sad. No, it's, it, it's very sad. But I think what freaks most people out, and I know it freaks me out, is when we go into society, when I walk out the front door, Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a little hard, more hardened because I live in New York than other people. And because you're seven feet tall. <laughs> that too. So I'm a little more hardened. I'm a little more like on my guard right. because I'm in New York. People are trying to fuck with you all the time. But there's, I guess, with every interaction you have with another human being, you kind of have this expectation of normalcy and yep. of like operating according to the societal norms. Mm-hmm. And I think what really freaks me out about people and is when those norms don't exist. Oh, 100%. And they just go yeah. off. Someone who is just like, oh, I'm real bummed about the custody thing with my kid. I'm taking out everybody. Or, or yeah. the, the kids who does, you know, recent school shootings and whatnot. The people who just, something clicks in their head mm-hmm. that they reason, like no one, I feel like not a lot of people commit these murders and horrible acts know they're doing a bad thing they might objectively know it's a bad thing but i feel like internally they seem to like in internally they think it's the right the only option it's the only option at that point at the point yeah well and i remember so i had to do a project on columbine and that was beyond fascinating because it the the media Another thing a professor told me, like, obviously, I'm a teacher. I'm like, all these professors tell me such great stuff. Yeah. My professor was telling me about, like, the media will not present stuff that the general public can't understand or won't get. Yeah. And so I think that's part of where the sort of story of, like, oh, the trench coat mafia and Eric and Dylan were bullied and it was this whole thing, like... There are videos of Eric Harris, like, sitting in a lunchroom, flirting with girls, being totally charming, surrounded by people. Like, he was not some shrinking violet, like, walking around the school being bullied by the popular kids. Like, and in their journals, they're talking about how they want, you know, the story of their murder being directed by Quentin Tarantino and all this stuff. Like, for them, that was a different story than, like, oh, I've been, you know, I've been beaten down so much i'm fighting back that actually makes a lot more sense to me than what uh eric and dylan were were yeah. up to and i also think that and this is something i said in a class that might sound controversial i actually think dylan was almost another victim of eric harris because i don't think he would have done a thing if he hadn't met eric. i think he might have killed himself he went more depression than anything else jesus Christ. i know i'm sorry this is no 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 <laughs> i mean that's why so i'm like 
There will be trigger warnings ahead of this episode yeah. just to let people know. Because like, Cassie just <clears throat> super casually talking about all Well, no, it. I mean, that it's your job to super casually talk yeah. about this stuff. It's it, that that's to me is the scariest thing is the people who do reason it out to the fact where I think maybe the media does present under the way of like these bullied kids. These are, because as a human, we look for the logical reason. Correct. And the reason that these kids are broken and depressed is something that's easier to wrap your head around mm-hmm. other than like with with with. Um, the Columbine like these kids wanted glory they yep. wanted to be remembered they wanted movies written about you know movies written about yeah. them and stuff that's an entirely different idea a different thing and it was w- yeah because the idea of throwing your life away because you can't you're so depressed and you can't live anymore and you're so angry and you want to take people out is something it's awful pe- but it almost awful, you can but almost people, wrap your head around it exactly the the general population can swallow it Right. But the fact of them just like, oh, they wanted the glory. And you're kind of like, but they're not going to see a movie made about them. They're not going to do this. Like what logically makes them think that this is a good idea? Like, yeah, there's an amazing book just called Columbine. I think it's by Dave Cullen or something. Mm -hmm. And he goes beyond all the bullshit beyond the like. And also, I think there was something I want to say it was the Parkland shooting or something. It was almost like they were blaming the victims of like, oh, they picked on him or he was this or he was that. And that's, and it's a, like, that's a huge narrative that's happening right it's now. It's so terrible. And it's it like, makes. Me oh, yeah. They were like being nicer to people because then it's like, uh, no, no, like, that's do not blame those kids. I think this is a good place. I'm going to ask you about that. I think that'll be a good place for us to end because yeah. the Parkland shooting specifically, mm-hmm. all the school shootings have been terrible. You and I are both from Connecticut. Yeah. We remember Sandy Hook. We remember how like these horrific things happening. What got I remember the parents of the Sandy Hook shooters getting oh vilified God. as if they were part of this hoax. I remember this crazy shit. Re- but they were vil- for what? Well, I don't but, remember either. But you had fucking Infowars and Alex Jones and all his piece of shit yeah. people. You know, just because I remember the world's a beautiful place. Right. I now. remember getting so mad, just being like, I knew one of the girls who was killed. Not well, but we right. like, uh, but she was a, mu- a, a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. So it was like. You know, I'd seen her at parties and whatnot, and she was a teacher yeah. there, and she yeah. saved her kids. And like to hear people be like, "Oh, this didn't even happen. This is a hoax. This is a false flag. It's fucking insane." And to take away from what she did, a exactly. heroic act before she died. Come on, like seriously, people, get your heads out it's of your asses. Fucking <laughs> unreal. But I remember specifically, and I felt like the Parkland case was different than any others because that was the one where I saw the most of this is the victim's fault. These are the uh. fault of the people who did the shoot, you, you know, who were shot at. And I just remember just, I'm still so angry oh, and outraged so angry. about it because it's just like, how are you putting that on the back of people who are the victims of the crime? Literally the victims. We they're all not playing, went, they are literally the victims of the crime. Exactly. And yeah. then these people are vilified and they're like, you know, people like Emma Gonzalez and David Hogg. Oh, you have Emma people Gonzalez. on the... You know, on the fringes, just being like, these are evil people. How dare they try to do this? You know, they're trying to take away my guns. They're trying to do all this stuff. The Parkland shooting protests were literally students going, hey, 
can we not get shot up in our schools anymore? This is like the 50th this year. Can we all not get shot anymore? And everyone's just like, they're evil. They're trying to do these terrible things. And it's their fault. They were mean to this kid. That's why. I mean, yeah, it's not the guns. Everyone should have a gun. You should just be nicer to the guy with the gun. And it's just, uh, uh, I don't even know where to go with it. And it's because it's. No, it's it's atrocious, and it's. I also think that is there anything as a forensic psychologist? Is there anything, <laughs> just for the layman's out there, that a murder victim can do where them getting murdered is their fault? Mm. Let me rephrase that: school shooting <laughs> victim. I'm like, I mean, there's self defense, and there's no, 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 that. no. That's not what in I, I meant. Like in a school shooting not. situation, is there anything the kids could have done? No that ever justifies a mass shooting. Absolutely not. And I think that when people blame parents, that's also so simple. Yeah. Um, Not only in like juvenile forensics, but also in adult things like that, you have to look across um, environments. Yeah. So, but let's stick with juvenile because that's more of like a thing. You and kids, you look at how they're at home, how they are in the classroom, how they are in the playground. So like transfer to adults, like how they're at work, how they are with their friends, how they are at home, like whatever. And if you see a consistent thing across, so if, you know, a teacher tells a parent, look, like your child is drawing these pictures or being aggressive or, you know, we found a dead animal in the back. Like, yeah. Parents need to listen and join in. And there needs to be, I mean, I hate this this phrase, but like in the whole taking a village, like one mother is not going to like solve her son's, you know, yeah. burgeoning psychopathy. Like, yeah. So there needs there needs to be more of a um, a cohesive attack. Oh God, attack! Such a bad word in this case. No, I a know. cohesive approach. Yeah. Um, and people really need just need to listen and um, not be offended. Like, oh, I'm not a good mother because this is happening, so I'm gonna ignore it. Things like that. Just, um, yeah. I think that people in my field need to continue to work with uh, teachers and yeah. cops and just everyone work together to make it a. A safer world for all the Zach Migos to walk out. Yeah, and yeah, be, I, and be safe. <laughs> and all the all the future baby Zachs that I'm afraid to send to school. And like, yeah, exactly. No, like the fact that people still have kids. I'm like, wow, you're brave. No, I know it's terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. Oh my god, we I think about that all the time nowadays because you know Laura and I want to have a family eventually, and I mm-hmm. think all the time I'm like, am I going to send them to school? Like, no, period. Like, my brother has kids, and I'm just like. Uh, I mean, it's just it happens at such a frequency at this point. And the fact that because we're not doing anything about it to fix it and we're just blaming other like I get so mad when especially with things like school shootings are like this isn't a gun issue. This is a mental health issue. Oh, my God. And you're like, okay. For one, this mentally unstable person was able to get a gun, which they should not have. So so yes, for one, it is a gun issue for two. If it's a mental, this is what I don't understand about the proponents of this argument. I'll go with them and I'll agree with them. This isn't a gun issue. This is a mental health issue. You're right. This is a mental health issue. We should provide mental health care for our citizens. And they're like, well, I can't pay for that. We're not paying for that. That's silly. Okay. So now you're telling me that this is not a mental, not a mental health issue. It's not important. So you're telling me this isn't a gun problem. Oh, but it is a mental health issue. But we cannot fix this mental health issue. This shit's just going to keep happening. It's just going to keep happening. It's fucking... I can't understand this. I can't understand the argument of not doing anything. Of not... Because when I was a kid, 
you know, I, w- I went to school post-Columbine. Like, mm. you know, I was in high school after Columbine. And I remember even at that time just being like, it'll never happen. And I remember they talked to one of the victims in the Parkland shooting. And they're like, did you ever think this could happen here? And the girl just goes, yeah. Yeah. I absolutely thought it could. It happens all the time. Every Wait, time I, mean, I turn I'm on the news. I'm an adult in grad school. And I'm like, there are some squirrely people around. I like, get nervous going to the movies sometimes. Oh, me like, too, actually. And it's just yeah. like, it's just... You might have been something that's weird. I actually had that fear before the Dark Knight shooting. I actually was like, if yeah. someone wanted to commit, like, it's kind of scary. Like, you're the exits are in the front. If someone's in the front, like, you're exactly. screwed. It's always been something that was a little scary to me, and then it actually happened. Ugh. I don't know. Everyone, just keep your head in a swivel and just maybe use your brains and think about that guns should just not be so readily available. If somebody, <laughs> let, let's let's wrap up because this is <laughs> we're going for hours we're and going, we're not going to solve. We're, we'll, yeah, we'll keep going down a spiral. But okay, so somebody, just to wrap up. Yes. If you know somebody, if someone feels a certain way, or they might know somebody who they believe has some psychopathic, how do you say Psychopathic? Oh, I know it's psychopathic, but you said psychopathy. Psychopathy. Okay. (laughs) Psychopathy. If you know someone. uh, Ah, If you know a person. (laughs) No, but seriously, if, um, if, if you or someone you know has, if you get a glimpse of psychopathic tendencies, for example, say someone with the Parkland shooting and they, cause there were a lot of people that sounded the alarm. A lot of kids oh, at the know, school were I just know. like, this kid has a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. We're not being mean to it's not bullying. We're letting you know that. I mean, this kid wasn't allowed to carry a backpack while he went to the school because of his issues. Yeah. If you see somebody or you feel someone is at that level, who do you talk to? What do you do? How do you sound an alarm? Um, it's very, it's really tricky because yeah. again, you don't want to like the reason you can't assign antisocial personality disorder to a kid is like you're branding that kid. And it's no, exactly, and, and it's like so, and me as a lay person, I don't want to diagnose somebody with right. something that I I can't say that they have because I know nothing about the profession. Right, exactly. I mean, it kind of depends on who you are. If you're a teacher talk to the parents if you're another student talk to a teacher and then maybe they can talk to the parents or the principal the bottom line is that and again i feel like i'm blaming parents but i think that there is such a and i don't have kids so i don't know but there could be a defensive mechanism of like no my kid's great like you're you're wrong this can't possibly be true but i think if it gets to a point where oh my god your child can't carry a backpack and wasn't there like a teacher was like terrified and like oh yeah teach him I think if enough things like that happen, then maybe you think about either intensive therapy. Maybe you think about them actually doing like in treatment in a hospital for a little bit, even just to like rule out worries or something. But does that all come from the parents? Is there a way for, say, the school board or or other figures of authority that aren't their parents to mandate some sort of a counseling without a crime being committed? I don't think so. So that's what's. Tough. I mean, I have to go back to my to my juvie psych because that, that that's I what's tough about think it. Because so. you're kind of like, you know, this kid obviously has issues, and we're afraid that something will happen. Right, but you can't. But it's not. But he has not done anything. It's not Minority Report. We don't yeah. know for sure, and you know no, whatever. Exactly. So yeah, I think because it just from what I remember, and I could be completely wrong about this, but I think that without a crime being committed, um, there could be a situation if it's a 
private school, maybe they can be like, we are not allowing you back at the school until yeah. you get counseling or yeah. something like that. Maybe in public school they can do that too. But as I recall, it's like the parent has to do something or it has to be part of like a plea deal or it has to be something. <sighs> it can't just be like your kid's weirding me out because again, even if they're not labeled anything, Oh, that kid went, you know, but it's that because of a, a mental hospital. For well, that's the thing. Is that because of the overall stigma of mental health? It, it should be stigma, but also just like personal rights of just, no, like, yeah, you know, we but, can't lock up. But, a, yeah. No, 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 exactly. You can't do that, but it's kind of like, why isn't mental health treated the same way? Like an injury is treated. Like, why is oh, it? It's just not, I, I mean, like if you see something clearly wrong with a person, I'm, I'm devil's advocating. Oh, no, bit. 100%. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, I see somebody's bleeding out of their arm. I'll call 911 and go, yo, this guy's bleeding out of his arm. Now, mind you, he can refuse treatment, but it's still, it's not weird to report that a person is injured. But, but, but that but, is yeah. the stigma yeah. part of it. Um, and also, but even think, like, if someone attempts suicide, there's, like, a 48-hour hold or something like that. So yeah. not that much. Um, if someone were taken to a hospital and they're having a psychotic episode i don't like i don't think that anyone can just like make them stay there and commit them yeah um again i'm a little uh a little shaky on remembering like the laws about it but um yeah i don't think it's a situation where it's like oh you had a psychotic episode and you might be dangerous so we're going to commit you and keep you here for a month it's generally like there are these like, you know, we're going to file a 3150 or whatever it's called. And it's like very short term. Yeah. Um, For a guy like the Parkland shooter, I that needed to be intensive, you know, yeah. really redirect this kid. And I don't know, maybe they wouldn't be able to do it, but at least he'd be out away from causing danger. Man. <laughs> I, I hope that was unli- uplifting for everybody. I know. <laughs> Cassie Grace, thank you so much for coming on. I could talk to you all day, and I might off mic. Off mic, we'll figure it out because I I think this is the most interesting stuff (laughs) in the world to me. Uh, Thank you so much for shedding some light, not only on your profession, but kind of like what the fuck is going on? What's going Uh, on in this world of ours? Thank you so much, Cassie. Thank you, Zach. uh, I'm not going to tell them where to follow you on social media because you're doing this in secret. Thanks so much. (laughs) Bye. Bye. That was fun and depressing, but fun. Um, thank you so much, Cassie, for being on the show. Everyone, please follow us on social media at Zach Miko, Z-A-C-H-M-I-K-O on Twitter and Instagram. On our Facebook page at facebook.com slash bigthingspod at our website, bigthingspod.com. Email us at Zach at bigthingspod.com and Josh at bigthingspod.com. Thank you guys so much for listening every week. And until next week, remember to go out into the world and do big things. Ah.